What do you want? You, you want the moon? Just say the word and I'll throw a lasso around it and pull it down. Hey, that's a pretty good idea. I'll give you the moon, Mary. I'll take it. Then what? Well, then you could swallow it. And it all dissolve, see? And the moonbeams would shoot out of your fingers and your toes and the ends of your hair. Am I talking too much? Yes! 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 Hello there, welcome to Pivotal Film, I am Tom Nolan. And I'm Mario Poncio, and this is episode 15. We're deep in 2020, in October now, and 2020 won't be having some Dune, and it won't be having any movies, because all the cinemas are closing again. Uh, yeah, well at least the Regals are. I mean, the Cinemarks and all that well, are saying hey, they're not going to close, but really, when what films are they going to show? Mario, let me ask you if this counts as closing. Cinemark is giving away... A thousand, I think it's a thousand private screenings of movies starting on, I think, the 9th at like 1031 in the morning. If you go on, you may be able to win like a private screening of a movie for you and 20 people. Oh, wow. That's exciting. Is that, is that closing or is that staying open? It sounds like staying open, but I'm pretty sure that means you're closed. It sounds like desperation yeah. to me. Yeah. Um. But you know, the, what what is theaters loss is the streaming services gain. Is it? Is it? Well, HBO Max is making some gains. They're getting the witches mm-hmm. now in, in late October and early twenty twenty one. They're getting that disaster hit Greenland. Oh yeah, from yeah, Gerard yeah, yeah, yeah. Butler. Um, you know they got that going for them, and you know it's what HBO Max needs. Well, we're just gonna we're gonna have to wait for some we're gonna have to wait for stuff like uh, for new like I guess Soul has been pushed back, but it doesn't have like a date. There's always the chance that like Soul like you, comes out. What do you out. think happens with the uh, the Oscar movies? I'm, I'm saying they have to they start VODing. I think those are the ones that get VOD'd. Uh, the ones that are probably could win. I mean, I think Nomadland is a, a shoe yeah, in Nomadland's to get VOD. Nomadland's gonna get VOD. Has to. Um, it has to. Why am I forgetting it right now? But the the assassination movie, the FBI assassination movie, that um, doesn't start Daniel Kaluuya. Doesn't start Daniel Kaluuya. You know what I'm talking about. The one I'm looking forward mm. to. Oh man. Hmm. No, I don't. Look at, I look don't. at the timestamp. Look at the timestamp. Why? This is good. This is good stuff. This I'm is sorry. what our fans expect from us. Forget Daniel Kaluuya is younger than me. Judas and the Black Messiah. We think Judas and the Black Messiah isn't Daniel Kaluuya in that? Yeah, he is. No, I thought they He's pushed. Fred I thought they pushed it back. It's in 2021, but um, I assume that movie's going to be a 2021 <sighs> January February. Release. Listen, folks, I hate to be the bearer of bad news. This is not going to get better anytime soon, and by anytime soon, I mean in the next six months. <laughs> in the next six months, all you're going to get is. Like a bunch of crap that they're just going to kind of try to shove down your throat. No one's going to see anything. And you're still going to have Netflix with like 6 out of 10 like best nomination, picture best picture nominations. Because apparently some of the stuff that's coming out is good. And some of the stuff they've already released is 
Good. So, I mean, what about, I just think this is going to be a weird... It's going to be a weird year all around. They shouldn't try to make it normal. And then next year is going to be super weird, too, because you're just going to have a glut of movies that everybody wants to see but aren't going to be very good, and well, we're all going to pretend they're great because, you know, oh, we get to go to a movie again. Top Gun is the best movie ever. Top Gun is not the best movie yeah, ever. Yeah, and especially with, the, like, films back in production, like, what we thought would be, like, this lull in film, because mm-hmm. cinemas aren't going to reopen until, theoretically, this spring, I'm going to say. That's when we're going to see theaters reopen. Yeah. I mean, obviously, they're not going to wait until the vaccine is widespread, in my opinion. I think they're going to, like, I don't think films are going to release it to that point, but I could see, I could see major cinema releases starting around April. Um, because major films are in production right now, there's not going to be that lull. You know, that, right. there's going to be a one year lull, but only a six month lull in production. So, mm-hmm. you know, at least we'll, if something else happens, we'll have a backlog of films. Well, and as soon as this shit is over, we're going to get a Jurassic World movie because they've been filming that the whole fucking time. And that will be but the start guess, of another pandemic. But that's the thing. It's not about the actual infections. I don't think there's been one movie. Uh, there hasn't been like a, a single case of COVID that's been directly tied to a bunch of people going to the movies now. There's been a, well, there's been a direct case of COVID tied to movie production. Sure, sure, sure. With but the Batman. The, the reason they're not pulling the, the reason they're pulling all these movies has Did nothing to do with... they confirm if that was Pattinson? That, yeah, it was Pattinson. Okay. Um, the reason they're, they're, they're not pulling these movies for safety. They're pulling these movies because nobody's going to the movies. Yeah. You know what almost led the box office last weekend? Hocus fucking Pocus was real fucking close to leading the box office. Alita Battle Angel is coming back October 30th. That's why they pulled all the movies, guys. Not because they love you. Because you don't love them enough. Yeah. When, you know, Tenet makes $40 million domestically, it's time to, like, uh, cut, cut, cut your losses. $40 million domestically in, like, five weeks of release. Yeah, you're doing a bad job. You no. made a bad decision. We'll review that movie in December, by the way. Is it like officially coming to streaming in December? It's coming to the like VOD in December. Oh, so, you'll so get, you'll get our you get our opinions on what will obviously be another garbage Christopher Nolan. I movie loved, then. I loved, loved, loved all the early Warner Brothers stuff. Where like we're gonna roll this out the normal way. We're gonna bring it. We're gonna roll this out like the same way we would roll everything out. We're gonna leave it in theaters. We're gonna release it on DVD, you know, in in Blu-ray, and then the streaming will come shortly thereafter. It's like no, you're not. No, you're not. Because you need people to pay $20 to watch this for 48 hours right now. <laughs> because you just fucked up. You know, Bill and Ted made out well from yeah, this. there you go. Good job, Bill and Ted. They only cost 25 They only, you know, cost $25 million. So Keanu Reeves can have 24 of that. Yeah, good, good for him. All right, let's do this. Let's drink this Oh, right. This I was about to jump into the movie of the week. Um, before that, no. Ooh, a CVBAC beer, huh? Mm-hmm. I didn't know they made a uh, festival. I don't know either, but it's uh, it's it's. I don't know how it is. I definitely didn't drink a uh, four pack of this with my dad over the weekend. I somehow think you're <laughs> lying. Uh, yeah, Oktoberfest, Mars. Really style. quickly, by the way, before we start this, one podcast member is COVID free. I got tested after five hours. It was great. Oh, it only took five hours to get the results. No, it took four hours in line, 25 minutes to get the results. I got, I got a rapid test. Four hours in line? Yeah. In the car? No, it was, it was, a, it was a stand in line test. It's fun. Four hours. Fun. Where did you do that? North Haven. Oh, wow. I was behind somebody that made it easier to do. But, yeah. A magician? For sure. <laughs> just did card tricks? 
Um, yeah, it's Connecticut Valley uh, Brewing Company. Uh, we've had we've a bunch had of several stuff. of their IPAs. I feel like this is one of those things where we eventually, I feel like it's one of those smaller, nicher beers where eventually we just kind of circle around back to it because they'll come out with something uh, that we want to copper. do. It's nice. Copper right, knows. Hit these together. You gotta pretend you don't. Like, you gotta pretend you don't know anything about it. Mm, I will. Got some later hosen on the front. That is subtle, subtle and pleasant. It's what I expect from a fest beer. But I think the, um, the pleasant, I think, is the key word here. It's yeah. very, it goes down really nice. It's very drinkable. Like you, I drank the shit out of my two. Um, that you didn't drink the four pack of. I'm going to, I'm sorry. I did. I lied to you before. Sorry. I lied about my COVID results. I am <laughs> racked with it. That's why I'm not wearing any mask. What I asked because you when was. Because when you have COVID, you apparently don't wear a mask. And nobody around you should wear a mask either. No. No kids. No, you know. But you do infect government officials. You do infect ghouls, which is good. We're talking about you, Stephen Miller. I don't. Know, I won't say anything else about the Stephen Miller thing. I didn't have well, nice things to say about Stephen Miller getting it. It's good. It's this a good is beer. Pleasant. It has a fun can art. Well, you have a. I have a woman. You have a man. What? So we have different ones. Is this from the same four pack? Yeah. Wow. Pretty good. They well thought out. Genius. Yeah. Good job, Connecticut Valley. Connecticut Valley never. Their one double IPA that I've had was a little suspect. Um, I just by that I mean wasn't good. <laughs> but every other Connecticut Valley beer I've had has been pleasant to delightful. Mm-hmm. So Connecticut Valley, for a brewery that doesn't really hit the marks in terms of popularity in Connecticut, mm-hmm. you know they they, they they almost never fail to impress. Except for that one time when they made that shitty beer. <laughs> that was well done. And it was actually like a, like it was, I think it was a Trailblazer, which is actually typically mm. a good beer, but like they're experimenting one, early yeah, yeah, yeah. on, you know, yeah, know breweries before they find like their mark that every batch of it tastes a little differently. Mm-hmm. One of those batches tasted like I shoved a bunch of grass in my mouth. And that wasn't any fun whatsoever. Ah, you don't like the grass stuff. I like no. the grass. You should have saved then, it. Yeah. Let it age. Mm. Let it, let it get a little older. Maybe get to 18 years of age. Mature. Yeah. A mature uh, result so it can make its de- own decisions. De- develop. You know? Yeah. Make its own decisions. Make its own um, stakes in life. Find its own path or yeah. route. I, I, I don't know if you're picking up what I'm trying to do right here. Of course I am. You're the one that was going to do it, I thought. Okay, but you just kept adding we on just, to this. We kept like firing them back at each other, I think, hoping that one of us would pick it up and be like, oh, what we're talking I was about. Just, I was just like, okay, <laughs> make your own decisions, you know? A beer that can make its own decisions. I'm not cutting A any of that out. A beer that could you know, be, be old enough to where a conservative legislature would not have... Has enough excuses to limit its ability to make its own decisions, mm. much like the Missouri State Legislature does in the film of today's A Block. Because I'm throwing down the terms now. We're on episode 15. I don't fucking care anymore. People should finally know how we do it. Yeah, A B C Block. Thanks, yeah. Colin McEnroe. Um, we are talking today, of course, about not never, rarely, sometimes, always, but the comedic never, rarely, sometimes, always. The HBO Max film, Unpregnant. If a young woman needs a procedure, is that possible? 
Where's the closest facility? There's an Albuquerque in Missouri? The law won't let me get one without my parents knowing. I know we're not close anymore. True. And I'm the last person that you want to help. Accurate. But I need your help, and I don't have anywhere else to go. Go where? To get the thing, the, the procedure. So you're hiding this from your man, your best friend. Hey, girl. And your Jesus freak parents. And you thought, why not ask Bailey Butler to drive me hundreds of miles? Because she probably doesn't have anything to do anyway. Kind of, yes. Bailey, Bailey, come on. I'm just messing with you. You're right, I do not have anything going on. I thought you drove a Camry. <laughs> Oklahoma, Texas, New Mexico. We'll be in Albuquerque by tomorrow night. Mm -hmm. Uh-huh. No. And we'll be home Sunday evening. Uh, I believe this is the first HBO Max film we're reviewing. Because we... we did not give a fuck about American Pickle. No. As it seems like anybody should. Um, anyhow. I kind of forgot American Pickle was a movie. <laughs> yeah. They still advertise the shit out of it for hmm. no apparent reason. Um, 17-year-old Veronica is on her way to Brown. Uh, she is a young Missouri, 17-year-old Missouri. Missouri. Missourian. Missourian. <laughs> um, played by Haley Richardson, somebody who this podcast always has very exorbitant reviews for. Mm -hmm. uh, her performance is from Columbus and Support the Girls. Um we never, oh, we never reviewed Split, so we can't really say. Let's just assume that <laughs> yeah. she was good Split in it. Split was fine, I guess. Um, discover she's pregnant from her kind of aloof, douche boyfriend, that Kevin. That fucking worse. Yeah. He's worse in the book, apparently. Oh, really? Like, he purposely creates holes in the condom in the book to trap her. So he's actually like a rapist in the book. That's what John Stables did on that episode of Law & Order Special Victims Unit. Never, never saw that. Ah. <sighs> Me and Dick Wolf don't get along. <laughs> um, she wants to have an abortion. Her parents, however, are fairly conservative uh, and would be opposed to it. And she discovers that Missouri state law requires that a parental permission is established in order to have an abortion. And that the closest place to go is Albuquerque, New Mexico, in order to have an abortion without parental permission. Mm -hmm. Veronica has some money. But not a lot. Uh, not a lot of means to get to Albuquerque. But she uh, eventually goes to her friend Bailey, who is a, her best friend throughout elementary and middle school until a falling out somewhere before high school, and asks her if she can take her to Albuquerque. Um, Bailey resentfully agrees, and through a series of misadventures, we get a too goofy of a road trip movie as they go through their thousand mile trip towards Albuquerque stumbling upon Bailey's um, found queerdom queerdom is that the proper term well I think she's uh, discovered yeah. according to Veronica uh, queerdom um, they stumble upon Sugar Lynn Beard and Brecken Meyer has ultra pro-lifers we'll talk we'll, we'll, we'll the talk about them biggest mistakes ever of a film and Jean Carlos Stapp uh, Esposito has a libertarian who is in support of the rights of the individual. And eventually, Haley Lou Richardson, who has Veronica, finds her way to Albuquerque, has her abortion in a, a pretty well-constructed scene, um, and uh, eventually gets back home, um, tells her mother that she has had the abortion, um, has, and has broken up with her obsessive, toxic boyfriend, Kevin, um, her mother doesn't understand, but accepts it, 
uh, and the friendship between Bailey and Veronica is rekindled into a best friend. This movie is a... I almost used the wrong word. This movie is a fucking travesty of a film. Um, it has a good premise. Uh, it has a moments of spark in which things work. It has two very solid leads who have incredible chemistry with one another mm-hmm. in Barbie Ferreira and Haley Lou Richardson again, um, who are doing their best work with the fucking David Cronenberg-esque monster of a screenplay that they have been presented with. However, the moments to... are incredibly hokey and incredibly utterly misplaced. Um, I am okay with this material represented lightheartedly like it is. I yep. think that the presentation of the actual abortion has something that is not something horrific. Um, you know, in comparison to Never Really, Sometimes Always, where the abortion is not presented as horrific, but the events surrounding heavy, yeah. um, are heavy. Um, you know, the, the, the aspects of sexual abuse are heavy. Um, you know, I don't need a movie like this to be dramatic. I can have a movie like this be a bubbly, rom- be a bubbly road trip comedy. However, there are so many missteps in this that I found myself wanting to strangle myself. I found myself wanting to escape my body during this movie mm-hmm. because of how much of an embarrassment it was. It's pretty bad. Um, and I think the I think it's interesting to note the juxtaposition between the Rotten Tomatoes score and the Metacritic, the Metacritic score, which is about 50 points or 40 something points or whatever you know what i mean like i think it's got an uh, 88 rotten tomato and a 44 well, metacritic it's got a 61 metacritic cornice uh, that's but, up from yesterday yeah it's moved up a bit the average rating of course on rotten tomatoes is a 6.64 so they're about even it's it's a middling i think it's review here's the problem here's the problem with like i mean this movie stinks the screenplay is the screenplay is fucking awful i actually think um that Rachel E. Goldenberg doesn't do a bad job as a director, but it, but it's just it's a you know it's a, just a regular like you know she does a regular job. She doesn't do an astounding job. She's not moving the chains here one way or the other. Yeah, yeah, directing job. The score and I don't I didn't list on by score. Do you mean soundtrack? The, I don't. So the pop songs I think are I don't know what any of them are. I think this movie leans on pop songs, but like the score score is seems like. Um, like MIDI music that you pulled off like a stock sound score like is, website. I don't know if something like that exists. The actual that's score what this was, sounds like. The actual score is so forgettable that I that when you said score, I, I assumed you meant soundtrack. Because the soundtrack feels as though whatever pathetic attempt at a screenplay these five morons have tried to establish. Um, and by morons, I just mean in terms of whatever the fuck. Ability to write is. a good yeah. screenplay. Ability to write a good screenplay between these five. Maybe individually they all can do something. There's um, no reason a movie that like this should have five screenwriters. Yeah. Um, whatever, like I said, disgusting amalgamation they created, uh, they, they try to lean on cinematic tricks as, such as the pop-up Instagram posts, which stop after the first 30 minutes, um, and pop-up text messaging. Um which they, they did better lead. in the half of it. Yeah. It ends up just leaning on the music. This movie, just in every way, falls to the cliches of the road trip movie, which which is, is frustrating. You have that moment in the limousine when Haley Lou Richardson, um, with her new group of friends, kind of throws her old friend Bailey under the bus. Uh, we're, it, it is so utterly implausible, given the 
depth of emotion given up to that point mm-hmm. that you go into that scene expecting for a course correction, expecting them to offer up the joke to the old friend and having Haley Lou have her kind of Veronica have that moment of revelation there. It doesn't happen because this movie has to follow this fucking pathetic little railroad tracks that these types of movies have to follow. Um, It does nothing new. Uh, The things it does new, including the pro-life movement moment, um, are such a horror show you mean of, the Breck and Meyer? Yeah, the Breck and Meyer uh, Sugarland Beard moment are such a horror show of thematic misplacement and and well, tonal misplacement that they end up utterly derailing a film. And it, it follows what to me is like one of the better sequences in the carnival where you know you get that nice little moment of revelation where Bailey reveals to Veronica that that you know she she's a lesbian and there's like kind of an awkward romantic moment between Bailey and um, Betty, who's Kira, as well as like that great moment where on the the spinner ride uh, mm-hmm. between Veronica and Bailey, um, it's it's totally derailed. Any moments that this movie presents any sort of promise are instantly total derailed by a poor tonal choice. Well, so but it's not just a poor tonal choice, which is not to say that your point is wrong. It's one hundred percent right. What are they gonna do with them? Are they gonna kill them? Are they going to make them stay at their compound until she has the baby? They're going to convince them. But like, uh, turn their minds with pancakes. Is that is that really pancakes the, and phone charging? Thing, is that really the plan? That doesn't even make any sense. No, it's it's it's, it's meant to be. And how does Breckenmeyer get from? We don't see that that bus with that awesome baby on the front of the bus. We don't ever see that. How does Breckenmeyer get from behind them? To somewhere totally anomalous in in the universe, in the amount of time that it takes them to get from literally where they're standing to out the door, which is like maybe twenty seconds. Maybe Bailey is and Veronica are slow runners. Um, there is, but I, I just want to. So to that point, the script here is just it doesn't make any sense. They just didn't do it. Like for five pe- between five people, you would have thought they would have thought better about this. You know what's something that a movie like this isn't going to do? It's not going to set up that there's like a real... It's not going to set up the idea of real friends and fake friends. And then have the whole movie be about like, you know, what which friend will do something. Oh, my, you know, my friends, are, they'll just look at, you know, who... They'll try to solve the mystery of who, uh, you know, whose pregnancy test it was. And like all this other shit and blah, 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 blah. Like all oh, terrible, terrible friends. And then when she finally tells those friends like it was my pregnancy test... A good screenwriter doesn't have those girls go, and you had to go through that all alone? Suggesting, if you had fucking told us, we would have been there with you. But, then, but they just want to set up like, Haley Lou Richards would be like, no, I wasn't alone. I had my friend with me. But guess what? These girls just said that they probably would have been there for you if you had just opened up. So it's your own goddamn fault. Or a good screenwriter would have opened up like the, the door of like, Veronica being so closed off that like her other fake-ish seeming friends and Bailey had more in common and maybe there's a yeah you know. anything or just have the the friends you could do something so easy as having the friends turn to each other like in that beat right after she tells him being like I knew it 
You know what I mean? Like, that's all they're consumed about. Like, really, if you're going to hammer these cliches home so hard, just, like, keep hammering them. Like, why are you going to stop hammering them? It's just so lazy. This whole movie is so fucking lazy. Yeah, I just I just congratulated Rachel Lee Goldenberg on, like, her so laziness. I just congratulated her on her, like, fairly adequate directing. You know what's fucking lazy? Is watching a cut of this movie, watching that random guy who starts singing that song in the middle of a diner where every cop in the diner has to address... So that their back is turned, and so these two girls can run away. And clearly, these two girls just ran away. So I don't know why the cops wouldn't just go right to it after the guy is already gone in the car. So they're like, when he hands her a sprite when they're at that like motocross or whatever they call that shit, and the sprite clearly has like a white label wrapped around it to cover up the sprite logo. Just use a different. Just have him turn the fucking sprite around. You know what I mean? Like, what is this? Is this like a high school movie? Is this like a project that she made or something? I would love to make a project with Haley Lou Richardson in it. That's amazing. You did a great job. And Gene Carlo Esposito. But, like, come on. This is like a real movie. HBO Max paid, I'm sure, over a million dollars for this movie. They probably paid over $50 for this movie. And they still overpaid for it. It just doesn't make any sense. Yeah, it's 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 a it's a bummer. Um, I, I kind of said like I I I look for the good in this, um, and, and the two leads really work off each other. And it's a bummer that they're surrounded by nothing else that works. And, and I think outside the performances, I think top to bottom, all the performers in this could well besides Breckenmeyer, because I just don't think Breckenmeyer has it in him. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I when I saw Breckenmeyer, I was like, oh no, yeah, I wasn't like, oh cool, Breckenmeyer, like, I haven't seen him in a while. I was like, oh, I, uh, I thought, who, you, I thought who, we were done with this. Who brought him but, back? Like, top to bottom, I think, like, besides him, like, the performances, all these actors are capable of something, but when they're given so little to do, and when the character choices are so out of touch, you know, Veronica's a, a very intelligent, well put together, constructed woman, and the hat, and her relationship with Kevin's never really established as something where she has an unsure foot. She's established early on as having a short foot, which yeah, she yeah, should yeah. be. But when Kevin is doing these cliche moments of good guyness, like I was being so nice, like from the first moment I was like, Oh, just dump him. And then he shows up in the last scene and it's like, this is when she's having her moment. Like she should, like we should have had this moment back in the pawn shop. She should have had this moment when she went to uh, that Italian restaurant. Italian yeah. restaurant wearing sweatpants and a t-shirt. Yeah, like have the moment there. Like don't have this guy come back. This yeah. guy is doing fucking nothing. Well, I just think to, and to that point, like the idea that she's going to go to Brown. Why is she going to Brown? She's not like Brown is like the artsy, like Ivy League school. When she said Brown, I was just like. This, this, it's fine. No, but I was like, this girl's not going to go to Brown. Like, why did they... Maybe she went to Brown, and that's why. And she should go to Brown. She's a fucking film director. Like, this girl seems like she's an analytical, like, person. Like, make her go to Cornell. Make her go to Princeton. Make her go to any of these schools that kind of seem, like, stereotypically value, like, a certain kind of student. She's not, like, a stereotypical Brown student. College. Which is... Cornell's in Ithaca! 
Why doesn't she just make her go to Cornell? That makes more sense. I mean, whatever. I think I think the choice of colleges is like the choice of colleges. The is choice of college is indicative of how this movie, despite the fact that it had five screenwriters and a director and an editor and a whole bunch of people acting in it that could have given her suggestions, Giancarlo Esposito had to have read this whole script. Unless they just unless he just really needed a quick like four hundred thousand dollars, he had to have read this, you know, and was just like, I'll say whatever you want me to say for the day that I'm on set. He had to have read this. Why didn't he say, like, this doesn't make any sense on all of these levels? You're not building consistent characters. You're just establishing this girl is awesome. She's a cool girl, but she also sucks. Like, that doesn't make any sense. And then at the end of the movie, she wears a denim jumpsuit. Like, why is that, like, the thing? I'm free now. I I don't have to dress up. I can wear all the denim jumpsuits I want. Yeah, and it's just like it's just not consistent. It's it's just it's just so it's just so poorly conceived. And 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 from a messaging standpoint, like it ends up becoming feeling. You forget hollow. she's having an abortion. Yeah. Until she's just screaming at a train. And which state is she even in when she's screaming at that train? And it has a. This this is a moment. I, I'm just because I'm watching Kill Counts lately. Uh, a Tales from the Hood one versus Tales from the Hood two moment, where Tales from the Hood one is is really like really <laughs> to its extent. <laughs> just listen, listen. Really to its extent, that like, like makes me so happy. fairly subtle and clever in its responses to to social issues in, in like African American culture of the time versus Tales of the Hood two, which is like really like. Oh, I don't want a Black Lives Matter story. It's like literally a line mm-hmm. in in that movie. Um, you know, same writer, same directors, and whatnot. And in comparison to something like Never Really, Sometimes Always, which is just such a remarkably better film. Um, and, and you know, maybe it's it's not the fairest of comparisons, but like when Haley Lou is like when Veronica's sitting there screaming that thing of why is it so hard for me to have an abortion? It's just like a, a mo- you don't have to scream this. The fact that she has to travel a thousand miles to get this abortion already. And the misadventure she's going through and maybe subtly showing her frustrations throughout this trip establish how yeah. much of a bullshit thing this is. Yes, yes, you yes. You know, that you don't need to like be like, hey, audience, apparently you're fucking stupid. Let's have our lead star scream out how frustrating this is. You know, because if, if you had led that quietly, like leading to that last moment where she just says, like, I should feel guilty, but I don't to her mom, that moment's made more powerful if, like, you just have these subtle realizations in her character from, like, something who's somebody who's, like, fairly conservative, has seen what her sister has gone through, um, and eventually kind of realizes, like, these difficulties I have to, for, to make a, a choice from a mistake that I could have fixed if my boyfriend had been such a shithead, would have been so much more clever had you not had that, like, super preachy moment. We clearly know that she feel, doesn't feel bad mm-hmm. because when she walks out of the abortion clinic, she has a little bounce in her step and she says she's hungry and then she goes to eat nachos. We know. Which is which is great because nachos are fucking delicious. Yeah. You don't need to have if, a... If anybody on this podcast thinks nachos aren't good, unless you have a lactose intolerance problem, go fuck yourself. I would hope that we've really filtered out the anti-nachoers yeah. on this, you know, in our listening community. So, um, Unless you have a lactose intolerance problem. If you have a lactose intolerance problem, but I'm assuming no, you're I'm really sorry. comfortable with the alternative cheese options that are available yeah. to you and still enjoy a nacho. But she enjoys a nacho. She doesn't care. We know she doesn't care. I mean, not care is like the really like terrible way to put it. 
We no, know she I'm doesn't. Not... We know she doesn't feel guilty about it. Her having a conversation with her mom, who says maybe one of the worst lines in film history, I think, which when we first meet the mom, you know, after Veronica's, you know, establishes she's going to go have this abortion, she's like, "Mom, I'm going to go have a study sesh." Blah 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 blah, and the mom goes, "Trust you, love you." Why would she say that? Why does she say that? It doesn't even make any sense. And why do they think it's a twist that they're Catholics? Like, and they have a, a hand-drawn portrait of Pope Benedict. Like, and the thing, and if they're such big Pope Benedict fans that they're hanging him up in their house, Pope Benedict is pretty flexible. Not on abortion, but like other stuff. You know what I mean? People that like really love Pope Benedict don't hang up. Uh, people that love really Pope Benedict are maybe like slightly more progressive in relation to this other stuff. I know also like, Catholics are really like flexible now, so they're like they're all on this. But the thing, I'm nitpicking. But I think when you're kind of when you're talking about a movie like this, you what you want to avoid is nitpicking. You know what I mean? Yeah. So like the thing that I objected to, like after a bunch of thinking about it, uh, of never really, sometimes always, is I think some of the. The ways that they, it's all subtext. You know what I mean? You don't get a lot of emotion up front about anything. So you don't really know how she feels. It almost seems like the director is more concerned about how, Eliza Hittman is more concerned about how we feel than how the main character feels. But I think after and, and further reflection, that's important. That's the whole point. Well, because it makes that single shot scene of, of when she's asked the never rarely sometimes always questions it yep. makes it like I, I talked about that in a review of how it's like one of the fucking best scenes in modern in in, in, in recent film yeah, history fuck yeah in the fact that like she's so restrained because it fucking makes sense that you know um Sidney Flanagan you know plays that so well would be restrained given her past but it's also and not it, for her yeah there, she's not asking her even though we are seeing her she is asking us. She is directing us yeah. to think about those questions and the fact. But that's the other thing. That movie is brave enough to say, like, New York and Pennsylvania are literally touching. You know what I mean? It's a train ride from one place. Or a bus. Was it a train I mean, or a bus? Be, it's a bus ride in the it's film. A, but okay. it could be a train ride. It, it could be a train ride. ride. It's a bus ride. Whatever. So what they're putting on display is a systemic thing that goes beyond just distance. You know and what I mean? It goes beyond... It's it's an existential systemic difficulty that we have and how we allow women in this culture to kind of make their own decisions for themselves. This movie doesn't trust the viewer to kind of establish that. So she's in fucking Missouri and she has to go to... Like... New Mexico. To New Mexico. Just have her in the next state over and have her ask... Real existential questions in a funny way. You know what I mean? Like, you can do this amusingly, like you said. But they just... It's just so ham-fisted. Which... which and, and, and and if that's not the, the question... Like, like it, it, you know, that could be not the intent. The intent could be not to present it in that way. Um, which is fine. You know, like... like but you... You know, you don't then earn that moment uh, on the on the train tracks of her like well, like blah 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 of her, of her like kind of like saying the premises we know. Um, you don't earn that. Like like it's fine to have a movie that's funny and light about abortion because abortion's not a big fucking deal. But even if it is a big deal, there's going to be moments in your life surrounding that event. You know what's the big? Are, you know what's the big? Funny. You know what's the you big what I mean? fucking deal? You know what's the big fucking deal? Is is the 
the lack of agency. And this film never really kind of, like, I think ultimately what comes, what be, what is important is that lack of agency. Mm-hmm. And and you can present that in a, in, in a fun, in a way that's kind of funny with this, especially with, with how the character of Veronica is, how much she has agency over her own world. But she's never really presented as somebody who has an understanding of her agency. Mm. And to have... Like, like, especially with her relationship with Kevin and, you know, and I can understand, like, her relationship with her parents, but, like, with that relationship with Kevin, it's, it's a striking blow to everything else she does. Because of the fact that, you know, Never Really Sometimes Always is, is talking about, you know, it's hard to compare these two films because Never Really Sometimes Always is definitely here. It's easy in, and in, hard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, in the sense of Never Really Sometimes Always trying to say, like, this sense of, like, this lack of agency for somebody who knows what they want and who has had agency ripped away from them yep. by somebody else. For all uh, sorts for, of reasons. For sexual yep. assault reasons. This movie establishes Veronica as somebody who has extreme agency in the sense of, like, she can plan things out. She knows where she's going. She knows everything's in her life. She's she knows saving her, her money. Yeah, exactly. She, she, she can budget things out. And I think it would have been funnier and more clever to in, in the way of an ironic sort of horror that we live in everyday America, that somebody who's so well-established in her place in life has had this agency ripped from her yep. and how she deals with that. Mm-hmm. You could still have a funny road trip movie from that, but in the, it's fruit flies, but in the establishment of, of the fact that like her agency has been torn for her because of fucking cunt Republicans. Um, <laughs> you know, you gotta win that, that seat, it, Claire McCaskill. Come on. That makes it, it makes it horrifying and funny at the same time. Like, like there's there's humor in that because it's like, yeah, we're gonna burn those assholes at the stake, theoretically, not literally, because I gotta say that for legal reasons. <laughs> but I mean, we could, but we shouldn't. You know, and it says like, this is the world we can have, and these people, like this character, can make that choice because she's smart enough to make that choice, but it's been ripped from her because of fucking morons yeah and this movie just like undermines that and it's like there's such a there's such a good premise here and there's such cleverness from its performances here and there's promise here like there's definite room a shred here there's like a there's like a ray of light between like a the crack and a board yeah exactly i think you're i think you're 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 a premise that you're putting forth is a is a good one in the sense that of course it is i'm smart (laughs) Um, but because you're allowed to be smart because you're a man. Of course. Um, um, it's, it's, a fr- it's frustrating. It's a frustrating movie. She knows stuff. But she's just so accepting of, of, of all these problems. Like, why would this girl who, like, within a seconds of knowing that she's pregnant formulates this plan... Knows how much money she, and cash she has stashed all over her room within like the ten dollars. Like when she gets proposed to by her boyfriend, who apparently she, you know, at the beginning she really likes, is just like, oh, I'm gonna take this ring, I'm gonna con him out of this ring, and I'm gonna sell it for cash. Why doesn't she say like, you know, at the moment like this is dumb? But there's there's promise in that concept in the fact of the world that's been built around her and that she's thing, been built to accept. But she's, and, but, and she's also, were, but she's also not accepting of it. That's the thing. She's like accepting of it but also not accepting of it. You know what I mean? She knows right away like I got to do something about this. And if she was really accepting about it, she'd maybe vacillate more on like the choice. But she doesn't. Yeah. You know, maybe we're... 
I, I think that's a little too heavy-handed in terms of like the expectations of what this movie wanted to yeah. do. We're the wrong people to talk about this movie. Maybe. Um, no, no, but I don't think we are because I, I think I think this movie wants, you know, to make what's it make the cake and eat it too. Or have whatever. its cake and eat it too. Which that never that's a stupid. Statement. It wants to have the cake. But, but like, and also eat it. But you get the cake. But if you have the cake, then you eat the cake. What the fuck are you gonna do with the cake? If well, the, yeah, the uh, the it's the implied make in having the cake, cake that you're gonna eat the cake. You're not just gonna look at the cake. Yeah, you don't if just you have own. The cake, you eat it. Ooh, look but at anyways, my cake that I own. Like you don't get to make. You don't get to have. You, I, I feel like you undermine these 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 good moments of like Haley of of Veronica just losing of just like losing her shit. Which is which is a good scene in a separate movie. Like I'm fine with that kind of like preachiness in that in that scene, in a movie that hasn't kind of like undermined its characters and undermined everything. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm fine with her having these hiccups in her personality with Kevin and whatnot, and with her parents and whatnot. But I'm just not fine with how badly etched together it is. It, mm. It's it's sewed together with just such poor conceit. Like it has these moments of real clarity and real kind of like post. I don't want to say postmodern because that's the wrong term for using, but mm-hmm. um, post religion, post Christian mm-hmm. ideas, and I'd say Christian in the sense of like evangelical ideas, mm-hmm. but it's still wretched in these evangelical ideas, and it's kind of like it's kind of like caught in two worlds, and it bums me out that I can't. Find a way to synergize that more. Well, yeah, because caught into a world because it's not clever enough to figure out it's a way. It's too safe. To, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, like it, it's it, the villains it creates are too nonsensically fake, and I think that's maybe my biggest problem with it. Is is is. But I also think that the, I think even like the main characters are not they're not fully thought out because the idea that so um, Bailey's you know Bailey's a hipster not a hipster but she's she's a cool kid yeah. Uh, and, Bar- and Barbara, like I went, you had said it, but I, I like I said, I think she's great. I think she's great. Well, the thing I think she's great in this movie, but then when they have her, like when they start the road trip, the clashes. Should I stay or should I go? Comes on, and she's like, "Wow, yeah, let me do a sing along while I move my body around." It's like to the like the worst Clash song ever. Like she doesn't like better Clash songs. I mean, she's why like, doesn't what put the 17. white man and Hammersmith Palais on or something like that? Have her like really get down or something. Calm like a f- real song. Calm the fuck down, hipster. You know, I know what it's about. I don't know. Have I'd... something off. Give him enough rope on there, and then have her fucking. Do you know if you ask me to name one Clash song? Super Black Market. Yes, Mark my... JP. Oh yeah, JP's here, guys. Do you make Clash songs <laughs> I could name off the top of my head? I couldn't even name should I stay or should I go because I would maybe confuse that with a remote song. Yeah. Uh, it's just it was. It it's was, just it's a bummer. It's it was, one of those bummer movies. I was fucking tired when I watched it, and I was like, I just want to watch all the movies and just get it over with. But I was kind of I, we love Haley Lou Richardson. I was so excited. I'm always so excited I, when I, I see she's in a movie. I was excited for. Uh, a fun premise off of Never Really, Sometimes Always. Because I think Never Really, Sometimes Always is problematic and that kind of reinforces um, that kind of like abortion's a traumatic experience. Because which it, is, I mean, it doesn't which fucking it, have to be. Which is a, a great it, line, it a great, be. a great line in this movie. In this movie? In, in, in Unpregnant, that I, that I think is kind of like overlooked, is where she says like, oh, I'm, think, I'm about six to eight weeks pregnant. Like, like Bailey takes the phone and she's like, oh, there's a pill for that? Oh, I can't do a follow-up. I think that's, like, great, where it's just, like, fucking, like, this is how fucking simple it is to get rid of something you don't want. A 
conglomeration of cells in your body that is not a viable anything. Mm-hmm. Like, and they, they, they look over that. Put the mic in front of your mouth. I'm not really here, but I, I think there's something to that. Like, just treating it almost like it's a dental cleaning. Yeah. Mm. Why can't we promote that idea? Mm. Yeah, and people would be horrified. Well, yeah, because this movie is not about getting like a third yeah, trimester it has abortion. To be so heavy, yeah. Yeah, no, but but I, I I appreciate like when it gets to the actual abortion, yeah. how this movie treats Fuck it yeah. like it's nothing, because it's fucking nothing. Well, not that it's and not, that's what right, but, but, but not that it's not nothing, but it's a it's a it's a it's a it's a procedure, it's a procedure. that has steps. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like you can know it. It's not a mystery thing. We're not gonna. But no one's trying be. to trick you. No one's yeah. trying to rip like rip something out of your body that's in reality like 15 years old or something like yeah. that, and they're gonna like flush it down the toilet. Like it's not. Like, it's professional. It's done with with care. It's it's done with the patient's interest at heart. And, and it's it only not... it only holds the value by which the person getting the procedure gives it. Yeah. Good. If a person, well dead. If yeah, a well person said. thinks it's it's a nothing thing and it's just like a cleansing of the body. Fucking so be what, it. So think, and if a person thinks it's like something important but they're not ready for, so fucking be it too. There's a paper to be written, I think, probably about like comparing never really, sometimes always, and unpregnant, and then putting the Ben Folds five song brick in the middle of it. You know what I mean? Where it's like brick is heavy, but it's you don't know what I'm talking about. Okay, brick is heavy. It's a song about it's a song about getting an, an, an abortion. I would assume it's not a song about bricklaying. No, no. Um, it feels like a brick in the middle of like what's been like a super fun, uh, super fun two songs so far on the record. It's the third song on the record, but like it's it's not fun. It's definitely not fun. It's like criticized often for not being fun. I just fucking criticize it for not being fun. But it's also not one of those things where it's like never, really, sometimes, always where they're it's saying like you are complicit in in how terrible all of our lives are. You know what I mean? It's a mm. personal thing. It's a personal story. There's like little thing, little. It's like a, it's a, 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 a it, you know, it's a wintertime story. So there's like little things in it that kind of make it really, that make it personal, and not make it not so like, um, like uh, like eviscerating to the culture. Um, and this kind of goes like totally away from that. It doesn't seem like it. it so where it's cool that it doesn't seem like it matters. It also doesn't seem like it even really matters to this movie. Yeah. Like, it almost seems like at various points of this movie, the movie doesn't really care that it's happening. I don't think that's a problem, though. I think it's, I think it's a problem narratively, though. It's a problem in, in what you were talking about before with, like, tone and what I've been talking about with, like... Um, yeah, and I think, I think if the intent was to say, like, abortions don't matter, which is a fine idea to have... I don't think it's it, saying that, though. But it's not, yeah. It's definitely having this heavy... It's definitely having these heavy moments of, like... Bringing it abortion in. really matters, but we're gonna pretend like they don't exist if, for like this movie every treated, fifteen minutes. If this movie treated abortion, in, in like in my personal view, abortion has the same level of importance as like your sexual sexuality, right? Mm-hmm. If this so like in my my personal opinion, I think they're both equal because I don't fucking mm-hmm. care. They're just fruit flies, but it just went almost went in my eye. Yeah, they just are thinking your eyes a peach. Like, if this movie treated the abortion in the same way it treats, like, Bailey being gay, like, I, I would have had, I would have been fine with that. But it's definitely tonally inconsistent with how it treats abortion. Like, mm. it comes as an important thing, because it's an important thing. Inconsistent, yeah. So. Yeah. It's an inconsistent film, and from a overall standpoint, a, a bad film. Yeah. 
Veronica, uh, Haley Richardson, Barbie Ferrer make make another movie together though. Uh, I Haley like Richardson make more movies. I actually think it's that, weird looking at her filmography. It's, there's just not like a lot there. She's got After Yang coming up. What I know it's going to happen eventually. So. Is that even is it made? It's done. I think. Hmm. Just waiting in the abyss of films. You know what movie I would love to review if it was free? Is that new Jessica Chastain Colin Farrell movie Ava? Have you seen that the cast for this? It's like Jessica Chastain and Colin Farrell and John Malkovich. Have you seen her new like the new Jessica Chastain movie, The Three Five Five, coming out in January? No. It's from Simon um, Kinberg, who did Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Dark Phoenix, but it's like her, um, Diane Kruger, Penelope Cruz, um, who's, who else is in it? Um, you, 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 Peter Nalongo. Really? Yeah, I can't remember who. It's it's like who who plays like the Chinese operative. Mm-hmm. But there are five different operatives from, from like five different, five different national yeah different nationalities, and they're trying to fight like what? like bioterrorists or something. Sure. I don't know why Jessica Chastain's like I'm going to be an action star. Why is Jessica Chastain saying I'm going to only and why make is bad Lupita, movies? And why is the Peter Luongo like yeah I'm on board? I just basically went from an Oscar winning performance that got torn away from me from a shitty Renee Zellweger performance. Mm. Fuck you, Renee Zellweger and Judy. I know everyone doesn't no, agree with you this. You know what? I forgot that Renee Zellweger won the Independent Spirit Award but for did, Judy. Did she even get nominated? No, Lupita she didn't even get nominated. No, right. no, yeah. Like, Renee Zellweger won an independent... Not even the Oscar. Of course she won an Oscar. She won an Independent Spirit Award. Yeah. And... Jesse Buckley and Elizabeth Moss were like, or Jesse Buckley was in the movie. It doesn't matter. Who fucking cares? Doesn't matter. Well, we're going to become an independent spirit award shitting on podcast. No, no, no I'm, that'll be our next thing. I just don't get it. All right, we'll be uh, we'll be right back uh, with someone's movie. Growing up, three holidays meant the world to me. My, my life surrounded three holidays. Halloween, Thanksgiving, but Christmas. Um, my year operated on this weird schedule of when were they coming? Um, the excitement of Halloween and the horror movies to come. And the brightness and the excitement of the season of Thanksgiving to Christmas. Mm-hmm. Um, even living in the desert city of Las Vegas. Oh, here comes the, here comes the Halloween police to arrest me <laughs> for not playing at number one. Um, and the movie that my 15 represents to me the pinnacle of the taste of childhood. Mm. The taste and experience of the season the cornerstone the um sort of yeah the cornerstone the keystone the keystone has it were of that thing that holds together yeah fundamental part of my year Mm -hmm. from age five to now Mm -hmm. my number 15 is the 1946 Frank Capra film, It's a Wonderful Life. Yes, it's wonderful news. For when all these wonderful people get into the swim, it's a wonderful life. 
For never before has any film contained such a full measure of the joy of living, the drama of living, and above all, the glorious romance that makes this such a wonderful life. Don't you ever get tired of just reading about things? Yeah. Hey, what are you doing tonight? I don't want to get married to anybody, you understand? I want to do what I want to do. And, and you... I'm not going to do a description of It's a Wonderful Life. Because if you have any sort of basic cable description... What? Yes? I almost think you should do a description of It's a Wonderful Life. You want me to do Life. it? You know why? Because okay. I, it was a movie that I... I don't know how JP feels about this. and well, I suppose we can get there. It's a movie that I've seen like a bunch of times. But just like this last time. So last night. Mm. And I texted you about it. You know what I mean? Yeah. I was like, I just, it just... I was telling my wife, I was like... I, was, I did not rewatch it for this podcast. I was I just... watching the end scene like this. Because I was like, it's 1 o'clock in the morning or 12 o'clock... It's 12 o'clock and I don't feel like weeping through the last like half hour of my day. And it's almost a two and a half hour long film. But I think it's so powerful because of that beginning part. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I think if you're not going to describe it, I think it's probably because it's a little difficult to describe because it kind of goes... It's like, doesn't ever start forwards... But it seems like it starts forwards. You know what I mean? Yeah. It seems like it starts one place and then goes backwards and then like goes back again. But it doesn't really. You know what I mean? You have those weirdo fetus looking stars talking. Yeah. So we start with... Um, Do you know what I mean though? Yeah. We start with Clarence talking to two senior angels. He's a he's an angel second class. He's talking about his next assignment. He's trying to earn his wings. <laughs> Holy shit, JP. I don't that- think I've ever had this before. It's so good. Whoa. What? Uh, can I, can, Do you like it? Yeah. Do you have another one? Yeah, right there. Oh, Here's thank you. Nice. Um, we're doing Sweet Baby Jesus, which fits, yeah. which fits for this oh my uh, God. episode. Um, you know, so Clarence is trying to earn his wings, and he's been um, told the tale of George Bailey, who we find out is planning to end it all. Um on Christmas, where you don't really see that, and we go through the childhood of of George. He's a young boy working in a soda jerk. He has good intentions. He he finds out early on that the alcoholic um, store proprietor, uh, who I do not remember the name of off the top of my head, uh, Mister Gower, mm. is who he, he's lost his son. Um, is going to prescribe accidentally poison a child's prescription. He, he you know he fixes that, and eventually he gets he gets older, and he plans his his big plan is to tour the world. Um, you know he he goes to he's about to go to college, and he meets he sees Mary again, and he starts getting attached to Mary. Um, but his father suffers a stroke. His father runs the old savings and loan in downtown. Bedford Falls and the crotchety Mr. Potter, person I will say, uh, Mr. Barrymore plays one of the best villains in film history mm. in this. Um, I had many moments where I wrote small fiction of what happened to Mr. Potter. Mm. Hmm. This and Matilda inspired young writing Mario in terms of retribution oh. and, and how to eat fried worms. Um, 
he he so he takes you know if he finds out that if he's to leave the building alone will be taken over so he he kind of takes over the building alone he just gets stuck there gets stuck there um and eventually he kind of builds it up and he's about ready to leave he marries mary and they're going to go off on a grand honeymoon and then the great depression happens which is i don't know how you feel about it. that's one of the great scenes i think in movie history oh absolutely i have money like yeah. you know all that whole the run on the bank scene no the, the best the best great. scene is like i need blah 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 and then she's and he's like you can't be thinking he's like i need this mm-hmm. and so he has to give him this and then the old widow comes and she's like i guess blah 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 and he's like oh and he kisses her yeah, yeah. And you know Jimmy Stewart's the perfect person for this. He's also the, and I think what I was saying before is that it, I never noticed the Jimmy Stewart yeah. aspect of it. You just take it for granted, and it was kind of amazing. I suppose if you have a thirty-eight-year-old Jimmy Stewart revelation, like you did something right that year or that day or whatever, but I was just kind of blown away by the complexity that Jimmy Stewart brings to this, with all the Jimmy Stewartness of you know that he's. Wow, but it's just great. But the old building and loan takes off and is able to hang its hat in the the town of Bedford Falls. Keep the rich old Mister Potter at bay. Um, World War Two happens. Um, George's brother Harry uh, goes off and fights the war, becomes a war hero. Uh, but George, because of an earlier saving of a friend. Uh, no, saving his own brother. Sorry, mm-hmm. during during a skiing um, sledding accident, and loses hearing, so he can't go off to fight. And um, his uncle Billy accidentally slips eight thousand dollars to Mister Potter, who keeps that money. Um, and so the bank examiner comes and is going to shut down the building and loan and send George and Billy off to prison. And George, feeling stuck against a wall, wishes he would never be alive which is he was never born and that's where clarence oddbody our non-fetus looking uh angel comes down and shows him what would happen if he was never born mm. shows him you know the uh martinis now the, nicks and then nicks and it's pottersville and it's pottersville and one of the great scenes of everything being thrown into disarray uh you know, his wife Mary is now an old, curm- like a curmudgeon at the library, mm-hmm. but still Donna Reed, so that doesn't make any fucking sense to me. It's a, it's, it's a, it's a problem in this movie. I'm yeah. going to be honest with you, like, Donna Reed is... Donna fucking is, Reed. Is an issue. Yeah. It's Donna Reed, like, two weeks of Joan Fontaine and Donna Reed, and it's like, come on. Yeah. Come the fuck on. <laughs> um, the do- when, she's, when he walks into the house, and he's like, where'd you get that dress? And I'm just like, dude... Like, what conversations are you having with yourself that you're like, that's all you have to say and you're saying it angrily? I don't think there's anything left in that. Okay. Um, is, you know, where'd you get that dress? It's empty. Here, I have this. Um, I have, no, no, I have, I have, I have, I have this. Yeah, so, you're good. Um, no, I'll take, I'll take a look at it. I just got tested COVID for yesterday. Too much peanut butter. Too much oh, peanut butter I don't for me. think so. I think it's fucking killer. It's good, but like slightly too much peanut butter. Um, drinking Sweet Baby Jesus, a perfect beer to drink for a Christmas movie. Mm. Uh, anyway, George realizes as he sees the things, the town around him falling apart. If he wouldn't live, he wishes to live again, and he lives again, and the town 
of Bedford Falls comes and saves him with the $8,000 and presumably more. Bert and Ernie are there. I like that. Because, you know, we got to describe Bert and Ernie. Is that where they came from? I would assume. Okay. I, I, I never looked it up, but I, I, would I have thought, to assume I think so. Um, and he is saved. Um, this movie is a pivot in my life. I, mm. I first saw this when I was six years old mm-hmm. after the Macy's Day. So I would, I would, at a very young age on Thanksgiving, my household, when it wasn't a fucking fire, uh, would watch it uh, on Thanksgiving after watching the Macy's Day Parade and having all the, the treats of mixed nuts. And I love mixed nuts. Mixed vegetables brought out and the eventual Thanksgiving dinner. And then after that, after our first pumpkin pie of the season and eggnog, we would watch It's a Wonderful Life. And It's a Wonderful Life would signal to me the start hmm. of the Christmas season. Um, and I'd watch it every year. Uh, and the first time I watched it, I was kind of like a little dragged with it. I mm. felt like it kind of... It me was, too. You know, I felt like, oh, why am I being dragged around? But every year it'd come back. And eventually, like, I, as I grew older and older, I picked up more of the themes. Um, I, I think this movie's probably much to my parents' chagrin. A big example of why I'm such a fucking insane liberal now. Mm. Because it's an extremely liberal yep. <laughs> film in its, in its core. But um, I don't think it's meant not, to be liberal. I think it's supposed to be like an American ideal. Like, this which, is what we're all working towards. Is, this is why we fought now, that war. Which is now liberal. Right. <laughs> um, uh, and you know, eventually now it's to, it, it became to the point where around twenty six or twenty seven, um, around my like thirtieth viewing of this film because I watch it every year, uh-huh. it, it it struck such a chord with me where it kind of like helped define how I see the world. You mm-hmm. know, the everyman working, um, and and being held against a wall by this unstoppable fucking cunt force that is Lionel Barrymore. Um, Mr. Potter. No, just, Lionel Barrymore. No, just literally Lionel <laughs> Barrymore. Um, there's always a great joke of, from, from Simpsons, a show I hate, of the the the, the shooting, like the, the buried It's a Wonderful Life massacre scene that I love. I don't know if I ever saw that one. I can't remember what episode's from. It's no. from the episode. Of, I don't like The Simpsons you know, either. So. No, I hate The Simpsons. Uh, but that's why me and Mario are friends because <laughs> we both watched The Simpsons and we were like, I don't get it. Yeah. Uh, but no, this this movie dug its claws into me. Um, it is it is a piece of Americana, but it's the piece of a of, of right Americana in the sense of a person who has ambitions and dreams, who sacrifices certain ambitions and dreams for something. Who, fe- who faces off against this unstoppable force of fucking evil, mm-hmm. which, you know, Mr. Potter is. You know, Mr. Potter could easily just pass off the $8,000 and still beat the savings and loans every day. Savings and loans are never going to present issue to Potter. Well, I think the interesting thing about the Potter character is that that one guy who came in that day was talking about, like, what Bailey Park is, is means for his business. Something like that is that he really keeps... Play- even though he's going to die... Like through the whole movie, it almost seems like you know what I yeah. mean. Um, he's like playing the long game with this, so it's not about making like instantaneous profit. It's like the ways it's a malevolence. It's like a continuing malevolence. You know what I mean? He wants to figure out the best way that he can keep milking this community 
of its of its you know it's a loose change it almost seems like um for as long as humanly possible to amass a gradual wealth that is that can match the kind of political clout that he has in the town for sure um i always also imagine mr potter's assistant mm. being and mr potter being um i can't remember the character's name off the top of my head Oh, Does he have a name? Um, no, I, I can't remember his assistant's name off the top of my head. Oh, I didn't know. But I always imagine the assistant and Mister Potter being from Hannibal, Gary Oldman's character. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I'm talking about. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Mason Verger and his assistant. Mm-hmm. And I always imagine that that is the sequel to It's a Wonderful Life, where the assistant pushes Mason Verger into the pit of pigs. <laughs> and the pigs eat up Mason Berger and kill him. I always imagine that the assistant pushes Mr. Potter into a pit of pigs and Mr. Potter. I have had, from a very early age, imaginations of Mr. Potter dying in very gruesome ways. Spoilers. Yeah. Um, but, no, this, this movie is, is fundamentally here because it has such a profound impact on on multiple aspects of my life i feel as though it shapes the way in which i see the world um of the person you know this is the fucking example of bootstraps yeah and where bootstraps don't fucking work because but it's, it's also it's, where bootstraps work exactly as how we always imagine that they would work but right but you yeah exactly but you realize watching it through the modern lens right. where every single level of every single law would prevent it from working. It's a, but that's so. What, watching it now, a couple of things. There's like an emotional component that I took. From well, you, it. you took you, you said you said yesterday watching it that it kind of made you. Tear oh, up. the end of it was just it was just a crushing, and I don't know if it's because of like the like now I'm a parent. I, actually, I'm not 100 percent sure that. Also, I just, JP, you're allowed to jump in because you've probably seen this movie. Wait, wait, you haven't seen this movie? I don't, <laughs> really lean into the mic. <laughs> I told Tom. All I've seen in this movie is in Gremlins. <laughs> um, and if I've gone this far without seeing it, yeah, that's what you I'm said. not going to see it. Um, that's crazy to me. It's one of no, those... I, I, I should see it. It's not exactly long, right? It's like well, it's, if, so, so exactly. it's two and a half hours. But, but here's the thing. So when I was a kid, it felt really... When I was a kid and I had no attachment oh, to long. it, it felt so fucking long. I think I've said this to you. I think it felt like a six-hour movie. Like, it felt like the whole beginning part was a whole movie. And then I just assumed that the movie was a uh, a Christmas Carol-esque length in its, in its you know, wish I was never born part. Yeah. But it's not. The most of the movie is, like, an hour and a half of the movie is him being born. And then the rest of the movie, and then... Like a half hour is him not being born, and then the rest of it's the end. Yeah, exactly. It it uh, hour and forty minutes are on Bailey's George Bailey's life. Like thirty minutes are on him in Pottersville, and the last ten minutes are him reconciling the fact that Potter like him. And not so being born I'm not going to tie this. Year. I don't want to tie this too closely to the conversation that no one will ever know that we had, except for the three <laughs> of us that were in this room. But I think part of the problem that I had with this movie, in terms of like emotions, um. Last night, 
was that it's one of, one of those things where I think it's the thing, like what I just said, it's the it's the American dream ideal where if you if you sacrifice and you give enough of yourself and you put enough of yourself on the line that at the end of the day, all the people that you met along the way will come not just necessarily to save your life, but will be accountable for you. You have been accountable for them. They now are going to be accountable for you, and that's what we've been pitched our whole lives. You know, as this is what's going to so in a do way. Do you know what makes me like that though? Yeah, no, it's I a, like it too. Do you know what makes me like it? It's a fucking Christmas movie, which means it's a goddamn miracle. And in my mind, I was always like, this never fucking happens. So here's and that's why I bought this because I, I buy it because it's like this is the ideal, but because it's Christmas, but because it's Christmas, that means it doesn't actually happen so and i because i didn't watch it as a kid i didn't have to have any of those i mean i watched it as a kid because i didn't like it or respond to it as a kid i didn't have to have any of those feelings watching it to let this last time i think the reason that i was kind of so worked up with it is because it plays like a tragedy like absolutely not like a tragedy for george it's a good day for george it's a tragedy for us because frank capra had a vision of what it meant to be an american okay and yeah, people Mr. stop. Mr. Deeds right. goes to people uh, stop responding to the town. Mr. Smith goes to Washington. Yep. Both all have this grand idea. It happened one night. All yep. three of those films right. have grand ideas about what it means not only to be an American, but what it means to be a human being. This movie, watched in 2020, watched with the lens of what you know it's supposed to be about, like a little bit of knowledge of Frank Capra, little bit of knowledge with the fact that like. Fucking Jimmy Stewart just got back from the war right after this. No. You know what I mean? Um, they... I mean? Hell, this movie loses almost every Oscar the best years of her life. One of the best, in my opinion, one of the better war movies because of how raw it is um, mm-hmm. in, in memory. It's a, it's a, watched in 2020, it's a referendum on how we all fucked up. Like, this was the idea. Right. Like, whether or not it was like the founding father's idea, because I don't, I don't think they were thinking that far ahead. The, the uh, intellectual ideal that we've all kind of aspired to as Americans was that like... It was you... the idea Reagan sold a bunch of idiots on. <laughs> Reagan tricked a bunch of people into believing, yeah. The um, Alzheimer's adult brain. Between the plaques and tau proteins spiring through his and jelly fucking beans. garbage brain. And jelly bean sugar. And yellow five, maybe it was all yellow five that was eating his brain. Maybe it wasn't. It wasn't all. That's right. Um, it's just we lost it, man. We fucking lost it. You know what I mean? And it's we gave up. We gave it up for nothing. We see this as now weak. Yeah, we see George Bailey sitting at the bridge. No, like, like it's having... before George Bailey singing it. It's George Bailey giving that speech when his dad's just died about like what the savings, what the the, the building no, alone no. means to people. I even had the thought like Potter's intellectually right here. You know what I mean? Like he's just you know why if you just want your money? Well, see, in my my opinion, I see George at the the maybe maybe I'm a oh, little more. Oh, but that's the thing. George is right. George and I'm pointing to my I'm tar- pointing to my heart. I'm not flapping my arms. I'm dictating to people what I'm doing. Can you see I'm pointing to my heart? <laughs> um he's right here, but Potter's we've been so yeah. corrupted as a society that Potter's right here. 
It makes intellectual sense what he's saying, but it doesn't make sense in here. And so by the end of the movie, not only is George considered weak for taking people's money, all those other people are weak for like attaching themselves to this kind of idyllic American like township, this idyllic American system that we know living in a fucking dumpster fire of a country is fucking garbage. Oh, we're just a dumpster fire? That's really I think a dumpster fire is like the worst thing you can be. <laughs> I was like, that's really optimistic. Um Yeah, no, I, I, I and it just broke my it like it like kind of broke my heart. And he's like yelling at these kids and I'm like, fuck these kids. It's not their it's not that's the thing, it's not the kids' fault. Like I don't know how you feel about it, but like he's yelling at these kids like stop doing this and because it doesn't well, it so doesn't I, matter. His life is fucking over. Yelling at what kids? Seen it, but I know it'll hit me right at home. Yeah, because when George is yelling at his kids like stop playing the piano, oh, yeah, yeah, okay. like what do you want? Because you said he, these kids, and I was like, he what knows what scene you're talking all the all all these kids. I don't know why they're here. It's like the elephant in the room is like, what are all these kids doing here? Um, he's. Well, I mean, to be fair, Violet sucks. Yeah. Yeah, I guess so. He's yelling at these kids because they don't matter anymore. You know what I mean? His the the institutional corruption of existence has gotten to him finally, and there's nothing he can do about it. It's just chance. But that's the whole thing is that he has no control over it, and it's just gonna eat away at him. And you know, these kids are supposed to be like the next generation of stuff. And if you are, if you just fought in World War II, I suppose. You had greatest generation kids. The, the kids are yeah. the greatest generation, right? Or is it the people that fought in World War Two that was the greatest no, generation? The greatest generations people fought, fought baby boomers would have been the. Yeah. The thing that makes me like this movie though is this revolutionary attitude of just like fuck them, mm-hmm. of just like fight against it no matter what. And maybe that's not fuck it. who fuck them like like fuck the Potter idea like mm. don't ever yeah, respect yeah, yeah. that you know and it's like an idea we have to get back to because it's like a frank capra is a conservative fella <laughs> like when you get down to it he has four 1940s liberal ideas four modern day fairly conservative ideas but there's a great modern subtext in like when he's you know when george is in potter's office for the job interview and he's like this is a good cigar it's almost like potter's satan and george is like this dick tastes good yeah, you know what I mean for sure. And it's a big fucking, it's a big fucking cigar to put it crassly. To put to quote Pearl Jam, I never suck Satan's dick. But the thing I love Satan's bit. The thing Vitality. I always love about yeah. this too, though, is is Frank Capra still presents like this power of Mister Potter still as like a fucking crippled old man. Yeah, and because ultimately, the wealth and the power are still crippled yep. because the population and the way I the way I've always interpreted this yep. is like the millions of people. Can fucking destroy the they wealth. They can fight against it. The immigrants. Might, they don't. They don't have to fight against it. They can rip the flesh off the bone. But that's of what they're the doing by denying him his cash, yeah. by denying him his rent payments. That's what they're doing. That's what that guy is explaining to him. Like they're taking, they're keeping their flesh, and they're building this fucking tower of Babel out of it. Tower of Babel is the wrong term to use. No, they win. The Tower of Babel wins in this case. <laughs> God's just like, I guess one language is fine. You guys are nice. One language, okay. At least, um, at least you're kind to each other. Yeah, and that's that's why that's what I like. There's a lot of subtext, and and, and there's like I I I'll, seeing this movie year after year and coming from a certain perspective, 
And holding this movie close to like the foundations of what a family unit was. Like mm-hmm. like you know, the entire idea of, of It's a Wonderful Life being the Christmas movie. Mm-hmm. Um so it holds to tradition, but it gets ingrained in your mind because you're such like progressive not violent, but progressively uh, aberrant ideas in it mm. of, of of what should be and what to fight against. It feels like that now. It does. It especially especially now. Yeah. Maybe like watching this movie probably ten years ago, mm-hmm. it didn't. But now it especially does. And and it just it is a call to arms. Mm. Like it's a wonderful life to me now is a call to arms. So funny. Um, just be, and it's insane because it's, a, it's right, a in an insane way. Yeah, I don't mean it's funny. A, it's like, a, yeah, you're it's an a sixty-five yeah. year old movie. Um, but it is because it is it is saying the individual. It's, it's, it's weird because like well, I'm def- we're definitely in a place now where collectivism has more of a stronghold in the right than individuality, mm-hmm. and. It's a Wonderful Life is definitely an individualist film, but but George Individual, Bailey yeah. finds his individualism, finds his place in him own in his own self through his community, and it's it is a perfect to me. This movie is a perfect synergy by saying like the ideals by which this country and everything are founded, an individual power and individual self, can work in perfect synergy with a collective idea because George yep. Bailey is yep. so torn away Good. from everything and feels so separated from everything until he realizes he's a part of a community. Mm-hmm. I, I just fucking give myself a gold star because I didn't think about that until now. That's good. Yeah, but it's, it, is, it is an American film because it takes the individual to like the collective because you can be an individual when you operate within a group of people who still think the same way as you do and who still have the same goals as you do. Ah. And this is everything this film's promoting. So that's the thing. It's not necessarily about thinking the same way as somebody do, but it's the goals. It's We all have, we are all, are all ourselves. Remember I wrote a song about this. It was on um, my Trump record where I was just like... There was a Trump record? I made a record like after Trump came out where I just spent like nine months just collecting ideas and I was just like... Ambitious, uh, ambitious Project Collapting where... Um, and I, I took this class in um, in uh, at UConn. It was a summer class. It was all about um, the immigrant experience and how it's kind of informed like America, but also how America's always on the wrong side of all of these immigrant things. And kind of what I what I what I put in the chorus of the song was that we've been sold the idea that like we all have the same we have we all have the exact same dream the american dream is the exact same thing for everybody but in reality that american dream is while contextually might be the same is filtered through your personal experience you know what i mean it's filtered through how you get there because if you are depending on what which country you came from and how you got here and the context in which you got here how much money you had how hard you had to fight is going to dictate the nature of how you per, how you perceive and then try to achieve that American dream. You know what I mean? Right. And I think it's one of the things that George Bailey understood was that it's not necessarily about just giving everybody a house and like eating all like the debt that comes with like giving every poor asshole in your in Bedford Falls a house. It's that a house may mean something totally different to every single person that lives in Bailey Park. 
You know what I mean? Because they're all coming at it from like a totally different experience, which is exemplified, I think, in the fact that even though George is doing all this good work, fucking hates his life. Clarence is not lying, and he is not lying. He hates, or Mr. Actually, Mr. Potter is not lying. He hates his life, but he did everything right. We know, we can see that he did everything right. We got to see an hour and 40 minutes of George doing everything right at every turn, and he still hates his life. Yep. And he just needs that personal thing to kind of get him past what Mr. Potter sees as the collective the collective want, the collective desire, which is just to have $20,000 a year and have a contract for three years and live in the nicest house on the block and have, you know, his wife have nice clothes. Um, but it's hilarious in a lot of ways because the way that the American culture perceives Frank Kuyper is as like a hyper-saccharine, like, director. We perceive Jimmy Stewart as this kind of bumpkin you know what i mean donna reed is like america's mom was like america's mom for a while you know what i mean she is not america's mom this movie <laughs> i hate to break it to everybody was this your first time seeing it no but it was my first time watching it yeah. on purpose right and like it was the first time i think i had seen it since i'd been a grown-up oh she died at 64 yeah, and this is a grown-ups movie yeah i gotta watch it um yeah, she was, it's weird. But so that's watching a, this movie as a child and as an adult now, Donna Reed is not anybody's mom. But I can see which is a which is a fault of this movie. Don like Mary's not given anything to do. Well, my problem with this movie in terms of Mary is that there's no, I suppose, gender roles in the nineteen eighteen, like the nineteen tens, would. What year is this? 1946. No, but you're the movie. Th- what year did like they meet him and Donna Reed? So he, I guess him and 30. Mary. I guess like so 31. In the, in the 30s, maybe gender roles being what they are is that like he would not be as interested in in her looks. But I feel like if you're if you're if you're George and like you are happen upon this girl that you used to talk to at you know at the soda shop at the fountain, and she looks like Donna Reed. You stop worrying about gender roles and shit, and you're just like, and when that guy's like, just kiss her, you would have already kissed her like a hundred fucking times. Like you don't wait until she's being propositioned by Sam, you know, on the phone about, or you don't wait until you're having a conversation about plastics. You're just like, well, oh no, yeah, that's, why are that's you always, here? That's why am always, I here? Because you are yourself. Donna that's always. Reed. That's also always been a problem, and I, I just want to talk about like really quickly before we finish this out, like. My problems with those movies always do stem from how they treat Mary. Like, Mary and the Sam thing, and then, like, George just fucking verbally abusing her there. He handles her a lot. And not even verbally. He handles her with her, his yeah. hands a lot. Like, that is... It's a problem. Does not work anymore. No. I'm and, willing to forgive it for the 60 years that has... 60... And let's no, just, 70. And seven, I think... Are we 70 years? Yeah. Or... Holy fuck, this movie's 74 years old. Seven, yeah. I would say this, to tie it to our conversation about Unpregnant. You and me are not like the Armand White dubbed social justice warrior types in the sense that we are not, we wouldn't give this movie a, a tomato on Rotten Tomatoes just because of the nature of its message. You know what I mean? In a lot of ways, aesthetics still come like 
first and value systems and, and, and all this other stuff. Um, nevertheless, I when when George fucking just grips her and fucking shakes her, yeah, I'm just like, like, this is no good. This is uncomfortable. This is not a good thing. I'm I'm willing to give it 74 years of clearance, but like, it doesn't mean I like watching no, it. I do not like watching it. Regardless, um, so now do were you? So this is because so in the Roger Ebert book, and I, the the um, the uh, overlap between the narratives of actually it's actually almost perfect. The narratives between like something like The Great Gatsby and It's a Wonderful Life, which are it wasn't until uh, in their initial release in the cons. Great Gatsby come out. Gatsby Gatsby comes out in twenties twenties, but it's not until it. Gets, it doesn't become an American classic. It's a flop. It's a critical. It's critically, uh, like, well regarded because it's garbage. Because garbage. It's criti- critically well regarded, but like from in like a great American novel standpoint, it's a total flop. It isn't until that novel is issued issued to soldiers during World War II does the novel become what this else, outsized wait, thing. Wait, what's issued to? What else gets issued to? I have no idea. But The Great Gatsby is like historically that's the thing that put it over the top. A rap? Oh, I don't know. Like anything by Steinbeck? I have no idea. I bet you not. I tend to think not because Steinbeck was regarded as kind of a rebel for the whole thing. Because he's a good writer. Because he's tremendous, yeah. yeah. I mean, F. Scott Fitzgerald's yes. a good writer. It's just <sighs> Great Gatsby's a ham-fisted piece of, you know. I haven't, quote, read, unquote, I haven't read enough F. Scott Fitzgerald yeah. to determine where it is. But I'm the saying. idea that like this upon, you know, its initial reception was, you know, it got nominated for some Oscars. Nobody went to see it. It was considered a kind of a flop. It was a flop. It was and then when it when it went into when it lost its copyright, and then it got picked up by everybody and its mother, and just because they could show it whenever they felt like it, it was yeah, then that it kind of got established as, you know, the great American film. Um, and I I also I I think that's kind of indicative, and maybe Capper wouldn't like hearing this. But I think it's kind of indicative of the way this movie now in modern times can be appreciated in the sense that it's uh, it's like the people's movie. Socialist movie. We didn't say that, did we? Stop waving that red flag, JV. <laughs> <laughs> we've we've uh, officially hired JP to wave red flags around. <laughs> we can't say what they're for. We just like it. Like how it sounds, like how it feels. Like being around it. They're just for people. They're for people. It's people's yeah. thing. We only got like 15, 14 more episodes. JP can be on every episode. Fine. Just to be like, stop saying that. And we'll be like, nah, let's keep going. Um, um, no, it feels... So it did feels, that play... Did, so when you I watched, mean, it, it, No, it definitely plays a role in the sense of like, it was prevalent in my, my experience. But, but in the same way that Roger Ebert kind of describes it, where it was just like on PBS on, at like Christmas time. It was just on TV, like every Christmas. Or did you, did you have a video? You know what else that you on? would put on George C. Scott's fucking garbage ham fisted piece of shit Scrooge movie, and oh, that yeah. movie can burn in the hell that George C. Scott isn't in. Do you like any of? The, I, do, I mean, do you like a Christmas Carol? Like in 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 any sense? In any sense. No. Scrooged. One of Muppets two. Christmas Carol? Yeah. And that is it. 
Yeah, me too. Scrooge and the Muppets Christmas Carol, and I'm done with the Christmas Carol. Yeah, me. Th- I've my my mom was a big Christmas Carol person, and I've never enjoyed any of the Christmas Carol like versions that I've seen. Even Muppets Christmas Carol and Scrooged. Well, I sing them up. I actually don't like Scrooged. Really? I'm, I, here's a weird thing, and this is going to come up, I suppose, in three weeks when we review on the rocks. Me review and, one of ten thousand films coming out that week. I know. Me and Bill Murray. Like the actor, are not you guys have some beef? Super friends. Yeah. I don't like love Bill Murray and stuff. Is it a pre and post thing, or is it all over the place? I think it's all over the place because I love I love me some Ghostbusters. Quick change. Uh, I don't. I never saw Quick Change. I love me some. I like Caddyshack. You know, it is what. It, but I think I like Caddy. I like Michael McKean in Caddyshack more than I like Bill Murray in Caddyshack. I like some Stripes. I, I don't love Bill Murray in Stripes. You know, you, you do hate. You do not like Groundhog Day. I love Groundhog. That's what I'm saying. Is I love you Groundhog don't, Day. Did you? I thought you said you didn't like Groundhog Day. Yeah, it was in my one oh. It was in my one oh fives. Was it? Yeah. Great. Groundhog Day was in my one oh fives, wasn't it? It was, in or was, my it my, or was it on my list? Special episode. No, we already talked about this movie. We talked about it in some context. I just don't know why. What about Osmosis Jones? No, I don't like Osmosis Jones. But what about, and what, I about got, what about Kingpin? What about I like Bob? Kingpin? What about but Bob? not because of Bill Murray. Look what? What about Bob? I love what about Bob. I do love what about Bob. But like, I don't like Lost in Translation. I don't like that other Jim Jarmusch movie. That Jim Jarmusch movie that he made. Broken Flowers? Broken Flowers. Yeah, I always want to say Dead Flowers. It's awful. Yeah. Awful. You know what I hate? But I liked his I liked his little vignette and coffee and cigarettes. You know what movie I hate? Yes. Life Aquatic with Steve Zizel. I hate Life Aquatic. Hmm. <laughs> what about Garfield or Garfield The Tale of Two Cities? I I also hate those Garfield movies. I thought Garfield was the he was the perfect voice for Garfield, and then he wasn't. What about Space well, Jam? I think he's great in Space Jam. But I also think it might be kind of a reflection off the Wayne Knight performance in Space Jam, so... You've moved on, but uh, you know the story about Garfield, right? No. He signed on because the writer was Ethan Cohen. Oh, really? And what he about, thought it was... It was a different Ethan Cohen. Oh, that's what about, awesome. What about Get Low? Like his, <sighs> Get Low. That's the Robert Duvall movie, where he's like a big supporting performance in it? No, I don't think I saw that. Hmm. St. Vincent? No, I think St. Vincent stinks. Mm. But I think it's typical Bill Murray dramatic performance where he's trying to make, he's trying to Bill Murray the thing, but the script can't, the script can't absorb the Bill Murray-ness. So that's the thing. I'm, you know I'm, I love him in? I'm not excited my for last, On the Rocks. My last thing of, of him that I really love was uh, his, his work in, we were talking about this, Moonrise Kingdom. Yeah, I think it's just typical. Like I don't think re-talk, it's very re-talk good. Re-talk yeah, yeah, yeah. About that. I think it's just long ago. Um, but that's so that's the thing. So I'm I'm on the fence and like Rashida Jones, the same same thing. I love Rashida Jones, like personality. I actually love her on on. Oh, we're, on we're just screen. on the rocks. On the rocks talk now. It's like what? No, 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 how'd no, we get just, from <laughs> how'd we get from It's a Wonderful Life to? It's got a Rashida bunch of people Jones. in it that I'm kind of I'm kind of uh, you know I can kind of take or leave. So, um, but it's. We're, 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 Take that, Jenny Slate. How did we get here? I love Jenny Slate. I somehow we got on Bill Murray. You did it? 
No, I just said that I love Jenny Slate. Oh, no, you said... That, we that, talked that, about was, sc- that was that Jenny Slate heart. We were talking about Scrooged. Yeah. Don't love Scrooged. I love Scrooged. Maybe I will not die person. on any hill for Scrooged. Uh, Ruby... No, we will not be. We will... Um, if you no, want to talk... No, no, just... No, no, I'm going to do it. If, if you want to talk about Scrooged or any other Christmas movies, because I think I have no other Christmas movies on my list... I don't think you have any Christmas movies on your list. Well, Four Christmases is on my list, so. Oh, right. You know, every time Vince Vaughn pops up on a list, I'm like, you know what? Balls deep. (laughs) Balls deep in some Vaughn. And he says, Mario, stop emailing me. Here's my restraining order. And I'm like, right. Right, right, right. Because of that balls deep time. If you want to see that restraining order, you could tweet us at Film Pivotal. Can I just say that, like, people are going to see, like, episode 15, part one, It's a Wonderful Life, and they're going to expect, they're going to expect a totally different episode. (laughs) Like, whenever they get, they're going to be like, this, this movie is pro-socialism. They're talking about going balls deep on Vince Vaughn. Like, what's, what's, they're also, you know, they're indifferent to Bill Murray. What's happening here? They're not going to know what hit him. You know what? If you've been with us for... 80, like two, like 130 episodes, you know what to expect. Well, this is funny. It would be funny if like a bunch of, you know, octogenarians all of a sudden figured out how SoundCloud worked and they were just like typed into search, It's a Wonderful Life or Frank Capra or Jimmy Stewart. Maybe someone, you know, released a podcast and they heard it. They'd be so upset. It's like, this isn't what I remember. Well, they're going to be more upset in a month when Trump loses. Fingers crossed, folks. Or you can go uh, email us at pivotalfilmpodcast.gmail.com or you can go to pivotalfilm.com and see a list of the movies that are on our top 100 list, which is the thing we're still doing, even though it seems like we just kind of sit down every week to talk about a movie. Like, the number doesn't even really seem to matter anymore. Yeah, I feel like we hit number one or it's going to keep talking about movies. I know, yeah, like yeah. my new number one. <laughs> or we're gonna re- What's wrong with that? <laughs> Nothing. That's what we're, we're going to do. It's time to adjust. My new number 97 is this. Pivotal films that aren't on our pivotal films. I mean, I already changed my number four. That's true. It's a 2020 film, so. so uh, all the way up there. Wow. Um, all right. So until then, watch. Until what? I don't know. Until whatever nightmare that we live in ends, which is the endless nightmare. It's all a nightmare. It's all a nightmare. Actually, I think I had a dream about uh, our president climbing uh, the steps that I didn't know existed of the White House lit dramatically like a Michael Bay movie and taking off a mask and then looking like he's going to throw up. Drink. Drink up here. Talk to you next week. <laughs> <laughs>